You're listening to an encore presentation of Faith and Family. Welcome to Faith and Family. I'm Andy Bates. Joining me by phone today, Carl Gaelic, Vice President of Ministry Support for Lutheran Church Extension Fund. Carl, welcome to Faith and Family. Thanks. Great to be here. I'm looking forward to our conversation today about uh, teaching kids to be good stewards, stewards of the gifts that God has given them. But uh, before we get too far into the conversation, Carl, tell me a little about yourself and your work with LCEF. Perfect. Absolutely. I was been working uh, with LCEF for the last seven years, and I'm currently, as you mentioned, Vice President for Ministry Support, responsible to uh, bring the uh, whole conglomerate of resources that are present for congregations for visioning and missioning and accomplishing what God has called us to do. Uh, so I've worked everything from capital campaigns to uh, vision planning and lots of opportunity to uh, minister to God's people uh, in and around the country. I've been an LCMS pastor since 1982. I have served congregations in Texas, in Minnesota, and Michigan, if you want a culture shift. Moved from Texas to Minnesota. That's, you don't have to change countries to get the culture <laughs> shift there. And then from uh, Minnesota to Michigan, and then again for the last seven years here. Been married to Mary Louise since 1976. If you're doing the math, that is correct. That's over 40 years. God has blessed us to be together. We have three uh, adult grown children. Each of them have kids to total 10 grandkids. So we've got two handful of grandkids. Thanks be to God. Carl, what is the work of LCEF, Lutheran Church Extension Fund, and your part in that? You bet. Uh, Lutheran Church Extension Fund is uh, proud to have its roots as far back as 1902. Uh, Several LCMS congregations pooled their funds and established a church in a neighboring community. Uh, Thus was born a network of supporting and encouraging others and growth in new congregations and new ministries. So uh, many districts had funds through investments and gifts from which they could provide loans and extend to our church body. So uh, more than 35 years ago, districts began consolidating all these operations and created a strong national network, providing resources across the entire LCMS. So that's how we became the Lutheran Church Extension Fund, supporting the ministries of the LCMS. So we've expanded over the decades to a more holistic partnership for individual uh, members, congregations, and ministries, as well as church workers. In addition to uh, very competitive rates, we offer investments and loans and have resources in ministry support, of which I am vice president. So Laborers for Christ, strategic planning process called Vision Path, which allows uh, congregations to clearly see God's vision along their ministry, and also capital funding services and immeasurably more campaigns, uh, which are designed to understand that God has immeasurably more in mind than we ask, think, or imagine. So it's a very comprehensive um, position, a very um, delightful opportunity uh, to serve God's people and mostly the Lord and forwarding his mission. Well, thanks be to God that uh, that you're there as part of the LCEF team and uh, helping ministries do what they do best, deliver God's good gifts, proclaim that good news of Jesus, and uh, helping to uh, to support those ministries in doing that. Let's talk about uh, one of the, the key things that LCEF does, and that is helping us understand how 
these gifts are entrusted to us, how these resources are entrusted to us by God, and how to be good stewards of those. What are ways that LCEF helps, uh, helps individuals, families, congregations, even kids do that? Sure. Um, essentially, um, you'll discover that it's the ancient struggle that humanity has had that's as old as uh, Cain and Abel. <laughs> and um, I, I talk about what happens is that left uninterrupted, we have a tendency to implode. It's almost like a sucking sound that continues to call us in, in sort of an overzealous consumer mindset. We tend to see the world and how it will bless us, what we can, you know, what we can accumulate or amass. And so we tend to um, pull everything in toward us as the center, which is essentially the heart and soul of what original sin, displacing God at the center of the universe and placing ourselves. So stewardship is essentially the process and the practice that the Spirit enables for that process to be reversed for us to be generous, to give, to view the world as God-centered, and begin to trust his calling and his dynamics. So stewardship in its simplest format is um, allowing the Spirit to move us to trust God back at the center of life in the universe. So how do we, how do we teach children uh, about that? It, you know, at a young age, how do we begin teaching children to to have that type of worldview rather than what uh, most of the world teaches us, that it's all about me? Exactly. Great question. And as um, now a grandpa of 10 and father of three, <laughs> um, all of my qualifications come from doing that. And essentially it's uh, moment by moment, what I call looking for Kairos moments. And it really begins in the sandbox, doesn't it? That nobody has taught Billy or Janie to uh, go over there and grab that shovel and bonk somebody over the head with that plastic shovel when they want to share it, right? That is the intrinsic natural desire. It gets disguised by adult behavior, but it's the same behavior. So it's those simplest opportunities to say no um, to the child in the sandbox or to the teenager in the sandbox, metaphorically speaking, or to the adult in the same situation. It's saying, this is an opportunity to reverse that tendency, to give in and to listen to God's calling to share, to trust that we will be blessed by giving to others and God will fill our gaps. So the, what I have found is best is the moment by moment, the time by time, the looking for opportunities that occur from the sandbox to a teenage life and to adulthood when we find opportunities of giving our tithes and offerings, when we're ready to release to God and to trust that he will supply our needs. Um, those are the, all the dynamics that are present, essentially from Cain and Abel. To kind of briefly give that whole story, Cain's offering was not accepted, Abel's was. I've done a really deep dive on that whole scripture, and I find it absolutely fascinating, uh, especially since um, uh, we find that... Uh, God says to Cain, if you would do well, will you not be accepted? So I thought, what does that mean, what you do is well? When I looked it up in the Dictionary of Biblical Languages, it says, if you would be cheerful or make a beautiful gift for me, then it will be accepted. All of a sudden, bingo, 
the process was revealed to me. Here's what God is saying to Cain that's true all the way through the, to the New Testament, what Paul was saying, and that is giving sacrificially and cheerfully to God places us back in that original posture in the garden where we trust God at the center. We reverse that terrible sucking sound of implosion that sin creates and instead give away and trust God to fill the remainder in the gap. True for Cain, true what Paul would say, true for me, true for kids. So looking for every opportunity when there's this this intrinsic reflex to see life from my perspective and to grab it, teaching to release it. What would you say is most challenging for parents to overcome, especially if they're not great at handling money themselves? What is most challenging for parents when it comes to teaching their children, instilling this in children? Yeah, great question. And it's probably the the old adage, do as I say, not as I do. (laughs) Right, (laughs) Right? because all of us have been convicted of of that. And uh, I would say that um, recognition, especially as children age, that this is the struggle that goes on within all of us. So, for example, um, we would, with our children, and I've taught many uh, people to do it besides this, is we would give them an allowance and then ask them at the youngest ages where they could understand the, the money and the denominations which are present, that here's what we're going to do as parents. We're going to also give in our envelope to God, and now of that dollar or $5 or 10 depending on their age, that they got, here's how we're going to divide that up. And so saying to folks, this is what we're doing when we put our offering plate in is we're giving thanks to God for what he's doing in our life and trusting him. Now we're going to ask you to do that with that dollar or five or 10 in the same fashion. Sometimes I would say dad or now grandpa, uh, I'm hesitant to do this. So by illustrating in our own life that there's a natural reflex that exists within me so that when the kids experience it, when the kids have the sense of their own reluctance or resistance, they know it's just not them, it's humanity. And that's why Christ came to redeem all of humanity, to replace that that horrible sound of implosion with the wonderful opportunity for generosity. So in short, by recognizing and identifying it as parents. This is going on in my life, too. This is why I give to God. What are some, perhaps, practical examples or resources uh, for parents for you know to use themselves to help them teach children, uh, maybe young children, uh, maybe elementary school or, or even middle school, high school ages, or even perhaps when it's time for them to leave the nest. What are some uh, either examples or resources to help parents with that? You bet. So helping parents uh, teach their kids to invest. So that life is investing so that it's important to, um, you know, pray for and allow the gospel to fill us with the uh, its comfort, its strength, and its fullness and not depend on anything which is short-lived. Sometimes people will refer to it as the God-shaped hole, and I try to put everything else in there and it doesn't fit. I can only receive my blessings from God. So I would, you know, encourage folks from, and you're right, it's right, the same story from the two-year-old and the the, uh, 
sandbox with the shovel to the uh, college kid who's moving away and having to uh, learn to set up his own finances, there's always the reflex to see things from our own perspective. And so the uh, translation of the biblical story is to understand it's one dynamic that Christ came to redeem us from ourselves because we tend to implode and and, um, think of ourselves first. That's why we practice investing in others. So a generous and sacrificial spirit for the two-year-old will obviously be different than it will for for the, you know, Mm 20-year-old. But the same phenomenon is that this is what it's doing. God's calling me to give over, and by doing so, learn to trust Him. Um, Like it says in Matthew, or I'm sorry, Luke 638, um, given will be given to you, pressed down, shaken together, running over, poured into your lap, for what the measure you use, we measure it back to you. That's that trusting relationship that God calls us to exist in, and to illustrate that at every point in time to do it ourselves. So, uh, everything from giving of tithes and offerings when they're youngsters and putting it in a little jar, to uh, investments in uh, savings from themselves so that they don't have the, the immediate gratification of wanting to buy something, um, to the um, uh, joy of giving and sharing with others. Now, we have resources that are available at LCEF, and they're meant and by design to mimic or illustrate that dynamic. Um, for children, we have, for example, our Young Investors Club. We call it the YI Club. This has really taken off. Uh, it's a fun program that gives children a good start and saving, uh, and they learn how to how their funds can be used for good things such as building and expanding churches and schools. So our YI Club is a very tangible, focused ministry that the kids put in savings. We illustrate as clearly as we can through the parents and through our material. This money is now building the church, and we find opportunity for their own delayed gratification rewards. They can earn a dollar for every A up to $25 per calendar year. And I have a grandson, a 10-year-old grandson, who's very excited about that because so far in his life, he's only received A. So he's just like hungry for this kind of thing. (laughs) They can also earn $25 for a year for community service. So what we have in the YI Club then is that same dynamic, is that you invest in God's kingdom and you'll find God finds ways to give you blessings in return. Well, the uh, the YI Club started about the time that my son was born, so uh, he's been a, a member since he was just a few year, a few months old, and uh, it's it's been a lot of fun, and we get that that newsletter regularly and uh, the statement. So it's it's in- encouraging to see how uh, as he gets older, he'll have more opportunities to learn about uh, this account and this this form of stewardship, this way that he's able to support uh, ministries just by simply putting away some money, whether it's birthday money or whatever it might be. It, and perfect. And that means that from you know the sandbox age up, you have a chance to teach your son how to invest in others and to not always go for immediate gratification, but for the delayed and to trust God for the return. I think that's, that's fantastic. What are resources for... Uh, or, or games or strategies for parents to use to teach their children? Maybe some, uh, we talked about, you know, YI and investing there. Uh, in, any games or strategies that, that you've used as a parent or as a grandparent? You bet. And uh, I would 
say that um, all the strategies would be summed up in looking for the kairos moment. Now, that's a mm-hmm. Greek word for looking for the kairos moment. So that allowed that to be a teaching opportunity. Kai, there's two words for time in the New Testament. Um, both can be translated by the English word time, but uh, one is chronos, one is kairos. Chronos, like chronological, is the word that we understand for the passage of time. But kairos is used to define God's specific or exact time. There's a kairos moment. And my encouragement with uh, children all the time is to not let the kairos moment pass and begin whether that's the sandbox event with the bonk over the head and the shovel, but um, be intentional to look for those because God will supply and will provide opportunities and teaching moments. And it could be as simple as helping toddlers share a toy, um, or it could be as dynamic and emotional as um, trusting God when you get cut from the soccer team, well, uh, something which happened to uh, one of my kids and learning how to uh, be generous on that team by sitting back and allowing uh, congratulations to those that are playing and trying to be a good sport and maximizing your opportunity. Every troubled and difficult time that comes up in life is likely to be a Kairos moment that says, here's the natural tendency I have to be the center of this and to pull it in toward me. Here's the God-given, gospel-provided, spirit-driven opportunity that God has to work in us. So parents and grandparents can then elevate that which is typically invisible and say, this is the what happens when we're in control this is what happens when god is in control so the looking for kairos wrong mm-hmm. it calls for intentionality and uh, i recently spoke with uh, a young mom and i said what's your biggest struggle as a mom and how can i how would i be able to help my kids uh, as grandparents and they said intentionality that life is being stolen away by all these moments, all the times on the phone and all the messaging and all the hurrying and going there and forth. And I think that's one of the most incredible demonic tools is by keeping us in such a frenzied pace that we lose sight for or anticipation of God's Kairos moments, those intentional times when we can teach, when we can watch, when we can recognize. That's why worship is so incredible. It's an intentional moment when we go and receive God's forgiveness strengthened by his sacrament there's something about that that's intentional rather than just rushing skipping by things same thing with meals that intentional moments meals are oftentimes lost through the drive-in window and what you <laughs> miss is the opportunity for intentionality to discover what god is doing to elevate the natural tendency we have to pull the world toward us to the sacrificial living that is evidenced first in christ of course and by the power of the spirit in all of us to follow. Intentionality is clear and very, very helpful. We've talked about parents being key in this, in in teaching children uh, to be good stewards. What about older siblings or grandparents? You've talked about your role as a grandparent. Why is it important that it's not just parents, but but others that can help with this as well? That's excellent. And I'd love, you know, you're a parent, so uh, you may totally disagree with me on this thing, but uh, I love grandparenting. 
um, because um, I get to sort of insidiously um, use the back door <laughs> in so many ways. I'm not going to use the word spoil because I don't want to spoil them, but <laughs> it really reinforces a message so that when children, for example, my grandkids are, you know, well-behaved and, and well-disciplined, it allows me to come in and supply generous uh, opportunities um, by the, you know, the, take them out for the extra meal, uh, allow them the cotton candy at the end of the day, or those things. The role that the grandparents have that I'm learning and loving is to reinforce a, a different part of the uh, diamond that is of God's generosity and, and God's giftedness to say that uh, God also has opportunities to surprise us with grace. And I remember when we were just taking the grandkids out to eat, we just went to a subway and uh, we're ordering and I said, well, uh, my dad says I can have chips or a cookie. And I said, well, your dad's not here, so you can have chips and a cookie. <laughs> and uh, they were just, oh, that's so great. What happens then is, is, is obviously grandkids get a, a thrill out of it and grandparents love it. But what happens is the spontaneous moments of generosity and surprise of grace become illustrated. And that night they said, Gram, you know, Grandma and Grandpa, thank you for everything. And we have a chance to say, well, God has given so freely to us and you're one of our gifts. And we look forward to this every opportunity. So what I have found that grandparenting does is reflect that um, generosity that God works with so powerfully in new and different ways and surprising ways. Whereas the parents got to deal with the right, and you're right in the middle of it, day in, day out, you know, and, um, and and work it where grandparents oftentimes have the joy and the pleasure of um, coming to a completely different side of things and surprising them with graces and ways in which they hadn't anticipated. And what a beautiful lesson. That's what grace does. It surprises us in ways we had never anticipated. That's Ephesians, you know, 320. For, um that uh, he's able to provide immeasurably more than we ask, think, or imagine. It's that immeasurably more concept that really drives me in ministry today, is that God really does have in store for us immeasurably more. It's true ultimately in eternity. I think heaven is going to be so much bigger and grander than just possibly I can imagine. But it's also true on a daily basis is that God wants to supply us with um, his grace in ways which surprise us, like a grandparent spoiling their grandkid, is a way to say, look, what, what you've done with your son. Before you were born, I was loving you. After you were born, I was saving for you. And while you were unable to understand it, I was um, continuing to prepare a place for you. And so now you find that from the love that we have as mom and dad for each other, to the house and the home that we've provided for safety, security, and adventure for you, to such things as the YA Club, which illustrates investment in God's kingdom and teaches you and me to reach outside of ourselves and direct our love and attention elsewhere. All these things then lay the foundation so in the same way that the, the cross has laid the foundation for us before the foundation of the world. It's just a living, working microcosm what God's been doing all along. 
Carl, how can we find out more about some of the resources you mentioned today and uh, LCEF, where, where we could, uh, I'm sure, find other resources as well? You bet. Um, uh, essentially, our website has been recently redone. Our folks there have spent a lot of time, energy, money, making sure that that thing is, is uh, working well for us, and we've heard great feedback. So at lcef.org um, is a good place to go, and then YI Club and all of the resources that are present for ministry support, where I work, are available as well. Um, and also our 800 number, 800 843 5233-800-843-5233. Whether you go to the website or place a phone call, uh, you will discover that uh, LCEF is uh, designed as a place that we might all experience and measure be more together. Carl Gaelic, Vice President, Ministry Support, Lutheran Church Extension Fund. Thanks for being my guest today. It has been my pleasure and privilege. Thanks be to God for the chance. Listen to Faith and Family Monday through Friday at this time. Faith and Family is a listener-supported program. Your financial support is needed for Faith and Family to continue. Our address is 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can contact us on the web and download Faith and Family at KFUO.org. Worldwide KFUO, on the air, online, and on demand.